or what is man? This is a foundational question for how we interact with the world, how we interact with ourselves, how we interact with one another. What is man? Every worldview, every religion, every philosophy has to wrestle with this question. And in the West, there are really two uh, opposing views to Christian, the Christian view of man that we have to grapple with here. And we have to understand the implications. Again, as I've said to you, if your worldview can't explain basic life, basic human experience, you need, you need to find a new one. And these two different views of who man is, the views that reject God, that reject the Christian view, are really uh, that man is a biochemical machine or that he is a highly conditioned animal. Right? If there is no God then man loses all meaning. Or as Francis Schaeffer put it, if God is dead, then man is dead. There is no purpose to man if we are just a byproduct of blind forces and infinite time and chance. And two of the influential thinkers who've kind of led us down this path as a society are Francis Crick and um, and B.F. Skinner. Francis Crick is a scientist, B.F. Skinner a psychologist, and really they have influenced political theory, medicine, psychology, and, and, and all of these things. These are influential thinkers. I'm not just picking out people randomly. These are influential, important thinkers. And Francis Crick was the guy who helped discover DNA. And he reduced man to basically a biochemical machine. Here's something that he wrote about who man is in light of his belief that there is no God, that the universe is purely natural. Nonetheless, he writes, you must realize that much of the political thinking of this country is very difficult to justify biologically. It was valid to say in the period of the American Revolution that all men were created equal, but it doesn't have biological validity. It's not only biologically not true, it's also biologically undesirable. So Crick, when he reduces man to a biochemical machine, he says that this idea if there is no God, and that man is just the product of his DNA and the chemicals in his body and the arrangement of cells, then he isn't actually made equal. There is no inherent equality. There's no equality under the law. There's no inherent oneness or created equalness of humanity. He said we could believe that during the American Revolution because we were more religious back then, but we can't really believe it now. It's in fact not even biologically valid. It's also biologically undesirable. Why? Well, because the universe functions by survival of the fittest. And the fittest should have more. The fittest should reproduce. The weak should not. Now, Crick doesn't always go that far, but that's the natural implications of what he's saying. You are a biochemical machine. That's all you are. None of us are equal. Some of us have different advantages biologically than others. And that's okay. That's actually a, a good thing. Now, think about how scary that would be if we actually designed our society around that. You're not equal. None of us are equal. Some people should have more rights. Others should have others. Some should probably just die off, and some should reproduce. And in fact, we're, we're seeing some of that in the West today through things like um, killing our old our old and sick, killing our unborn as well. Uh, B.F. Skinner was a very influential psychology or psychologist. He is the founder of a school of thought known as behaviorism. And his view of man is that man, again, without God and being a highly evolved animal is really just a byproduct of his environment. He's a conditioned animal. You're not really making the choices that you make, but rather these are conditioned responses through other factors in this world and in your environment. He wrote a book called Beyond Freedom and Dignity. Thinking if we're going to talk about man accurately, he's like, we need to move beyond the ideas that man is free, that he has a free will in any way, shape, or form, and that he has an inherent dignity that is different than anything else. He's rejecting the Christian view of man. He says things like this, the individual does not initiate anything. 
You don't start anything, but rather it is just a response to something that happens to you first. And of course, this makes you not responsible ultimately for your actions. Rather, it's the environment around you that is responsible for how you act. And again, we see this in the victimhood mentality of our day. Nobody is ever guilty. It's always, they have some sob story that this is how I grew up or this happened to me. And that's the way, that's why I am the way that I am. And this treats humans as less than human. It removes all moral responsibility for who they are. Psychology today, in explaining uh, Skinner's thought, his influential thought, his school of thought in psychology, still practiced today, uh, summarizes it as this. Each man and woman is a unique bundle of behaviors determined by environment. Only that and nothing more. You are nothing more than a unique bundle of behaviors given to you by your environment. If that is truly who man is, the biochemical machine or the highly evolved animals, is it any wonder why we have so many problems in our world today? Why people are obsessed with this journey of finding their true self, of creating meaning, because we've told man that he is meaningless. We are told man that he is a conditioned animal, that he's just an, a, an assortment of chemicals in biology that has no greater meaning. You wonder why we're so depressed. You wonder why we have such a weak view of our neighbors and ourselves. But Christianity starts with something different. This idea that you are made, every single human, male or female, age, ability, knowledge, race, any of those factors, bears the image of God. All are created equal. In Genesis 1, uh, 26 through 28, we read that God created them um, in his own image. In his own image, he made them male and female. So when I say man here, I'm talking about not just sexually male, but both men and women. That God made them in his own likeness. It says that at the pinnacle of creation, the last day of creation, God makes humans unique and different, and he makes them like himself. And we need to be careful here. Like says that it is that we are in some ways like God, but in other ways we are unlike him. And so God is personal, and so are we. We have a consciousness, a mind, a will. We make decisions. We, we love. Rocks don't do those things. We are personal in a way that nothing else is because we are like God, but we are also unlike God. We are not infinite, eternal, and independent. We are finite. We are not eternal as God is eternal, and we are dependent upon him. But this Christian view of man is really this idea that we are unique in all of creation because we bear the image of God, or as theologians call it, the imago dei. This is the most, one of the most important of all questions for worldview at our present moment. You have value. You have worth. You are of importance. You have rights. You, you have a fundamental oneness and equality with every human you interact with because all of you bear the image of God. And this is why Christians have throughout the ages championed um, equality under the law. This is why we have championed that even though some people are biologically more gifted than you are, that there is still an inherent equality because we all bear the same image of the same God that gives us the same foundation and starting place, and that then, therefore, God has given us rights. This is the Christian view of what humanity is. Humanity is unique in all of creation. So what does it, what does it mean, though, to, to bear the image of God, to be made in his image? Well, it, it speaks a little bit to the role of who man is. And we can really summarize the role in Genesis 1 of who man is in two ways, two titles, or one title with a, with a hyphen, that we are priest king. We are priest kings. That's what humanity is. In Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you have God living with man. That's what a priest does. A priest enters into the presence of God. Well, Adam walked with God in the cool of the evening. 
Adam communed with God, spoke with God. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, they were removed from the presence of God. And then all throughout scripture, there's this attempt to return to God living with man again. And then in the new creation, God then lives with him again. We are designed to be in relationship with God. That's what it means to be a priest, to be in his presence, to live in his presence. That is the ache that we feel. Or as Ecclesiastes 3 puts it, that eternity has been written on our hearts. Why? Because we were made as priests. We were made to dwell with the Creator, to be in relation with Him. And the second side of that, to be kings. God says that we are to, Genesis 1, 26-28, go forth, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, take dominion of it, rule over the earth. To bear the image of God at its heart is the role and the function is that humans stand as a representative ruler of earth, of God's creation, on behalf of God. That's the role of being a human in this world. And so we have here this foundation built for us as Christians of who are we? Well, we're every single person at every developmental age and ability from conception onward, that unique DNA, again, that bears the image of God, that has a consciousness, is worthwhile and valuable and to be protected because it is an image bearer. That every person, every age, ability level, sex, race, all of those things, uh, are bear equally the image of God. And so Christians, we start with this fundamental oneness, this fundamental sameness before God that we all bear his image. And that is who we are. We start with that. We can talk about sin and we'll talk about all of these other things later, but this is the vision of who we are. And it is desperately needed that the pastors, the preachers, the Christian leaders declare this vision clearly from our pulpits. This is a question of our day. Who is man? Why is he a something instead of a nothing? Genesis 1, 26-28 tells us why. We bear the image of God, and so much of the Christian worldview flows from this reality. And we'll, we'll unpack that more in future episodes. So I encourage you to continue on with us. Like, comment, share this video as we bring all of Christ into all of life.